Welcome to the Decentralized Opportunity Podcast. This is our weekly podcast where we talk about business and technology from unconventional and often overlooked sources. I'm your host, Tanner Lytle, here with your other host, Wyatt Carson. Hello. Hey. So I'm sure all of our devout followers will know that this was posted a few days later. <laughs> um, not only did we have travel and lots of other things going on, you had, I think, the bubonic plague go through your house? Is that yeah. Yes. Uh, I had uh, leprosy, actually. Uh, no. Uh, my whole family got the flu. And some of them, it didn't affect very hard. And for me, it laid me out for over a week. It's been a mess, but I'm on the yeah. mend. So you're not King Viserys from House of the Dragon, just slowly like falling into pieces. God, what a wonderful character! I could make a whole <laughs> podcast episode about King Viserys and the actor who did that, but but I won't. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually missing every Sunday. There's like a void in my heart where I need dragons, and it's two years or something until they're coming out mm-hmm. with more. So. That and the Lord of the Rings show, mm-hmm. also just phenomenal. I fell in love with, and now we won't get another dragon or. I don't know, Hobbit for another two years, but uh, yes, yes, that's okay. I need to get rid of my HBO Max for a while anyways. Yeah. Well, we've been watching The Vow. Um, the second season is out. So that's the Nexium uh, trial. Oh, yeah, so the first yeah. one talks about like the people who escaped and how they got lured in. And it is probably one of the only, quote, cults that I could actually have seen myself falling for because it's all like business and or <laughs> personal improvement. You know, how can you succeed in business? I think they, their executive it's ESP or something like executive success program was how they would lure people in with these five day courses. And I'm like, some of these ideas are good. And then there's this crazy like sex cult that he formed around it. And that's probably not as good. Is that oh, part of their upsell at the end of the five-day conference? Well, thank you for attending. Please gab, you know, grab your, your your bag on the way out. By the way, if you're interested, next week we will have our first sex cult meeting. Yeah, it's really your quintessential story of this guy just getting drunk with power. He was revert, referred to as Vanguard, uh, had everyone kind of worshipping him, and then just had all these women swooning around him. So he just ended up taking advantage of that. I can relate because we got like 20 downloads on our podcast last week and it just went straight to my head. Exactly. So now you're (laughs) going to start forming a power cult sorority or something like that. That's right. This is the first piece of evidence the FBI is going to use against you. Shh. Don't worry about that. (laughs) All right. So um, what are we talking about this week? Well, you and I started a conversation last week. Uh, we chat and text all the time and, and oftentimes Tanner tells me to shut the hell up cause that's a good topic or vice versa with like, well, let's pump the brakes. So we don't get too far. Um, I was talking about courage. <clears throat> um, and this is a concept that seems really lofty and could be a large topic, but let me explain where I was coming from. So we were talking about how I was terrified when we put our first podcast episode and announced it on LinkedIn. Um, And I had to think and sit down for a minute about why I was scared to announce on my personal page that we were starting a podcast. You know, it could have been, oh, I didn't want the company I work for to hear it, but that didn't make sense. There's nothing inappropriate on this podcast, anything like that. I, at the end of the day, I was afraid of judgment and judgment from my peers. But then I started thinking, well, what are they judging me for? Anyways, this spiraled into this kind of introspection of what I've been afraid of in starting a podcast and starting a business and starting a hobby. 
I've always backed down and I've always backed out when it came to announcing it to the public. And uh, you had some insights and uh, some thoughts about this because you've been there before. You've launched businesses. You've you've announced you know your artwork online. You've put yourself out there before, and there was a fear for me. How did you overcome it? There's so much where you want to. There's so many projects in your head, and you want to actually do them. And the hardest thing for me is actually like educating getting past the point of idea and executing on it. So I didn't have the same problem of announcing it because once I make something, I have this ability or this drive to really just share it with the world. Like, have you listened to this or can I show you this or can I do these? So I didn't have quite the the same fear in that regard. And ultimately um, from our previous conversation, we had a lot of it is um, I don't have the fear of judgment from others, or I don't feel like they're better than me or they're lower than me. And I was reading this book, this, um, just finished it a couple weeks ago called, uh, what was it? Um, the courage to be disliked is the book. And in, the, in it, it has a neat concept of vertical relationships and horizontal relationships. And everything in life is just based off of interpersonal relationships. But in a vertical relationship, you view others as being above you, as better, or being below you, as, of course, not being as you know, good as you on the socio status hierarchy or whatever you want to think of it. But if you think of everyone in a line horizontally, you know it doesn't matter who you're talking to. They're a genuine peer, and those are what you can share or you can learn from, and you can do those things. And it gets rid of all the fear. So you can basically go up to anybody and have a genuine conversation, interest, provide value or get value from them. And the same goes, it doesn't matter if they're just new to the job market or there's some big CEO or president of something, everyone's equal. And so when you have, think of everyone on that status, it's easy to put out to the world because everyone's on your level. So that was kind of my view on it a little bit. Yeah, and and I, you mentioned the the book last week a little bit. You might have been like wrapping it up or something. And and I'm fascinated mm-hmm. with it. I tried to find it myself in like my my library Libby app and stuff like that. I'm just gonna have to buy it and stop being lazy. But uh, it, that's kind of what started the thought process in my head. Is I could I feel like I could write my own book on imposter syndrome, something I've dealt with my whole life, and it still carries over. You know, I am by the definition of Wyatt, you know, 16 year old Wyatt compared to 36 year old Wyatt, I'm successful. And what that means is I live in a house. I have a good job. I have a career. I think I'm good at, uh, but my entire career, it's always been second guessing my skill set, my abilities and thinking that people are better than me, or they're going to find out that I'm not real or that I'm a phony. And I've made leaps and bounds trying to overcome this because I understand how limiting it can be, but it's difficult. So I appreciate your perspective. I've never had problems talking in front of groups if I'm the subject matter expert. If I'm talking about what I do for a living, I can talk forever. I don't care what level of person I'm talking to. But if I'm talking about something I'm not horribly confident about, it's very easy for me to fall into these traps of they're going to think I'm BSing. They're going to think I don't know what I'm talking about, how embarrassing for me, those those sort of things. And, And it's a slow process to get over it. But when I, when I hit share on LinkedIn, it was kind of like a weight was lifted. And then I started, started to see a couple reactions from ex coworkers and friends. And we've gotten comments on our podcast. Holy cow. Has that been encouraging? 
And, you know, we haven't had any hate mail yet, hopefully, knock on wood. But it's really kind of changed my perspective once I just did it. It's out there. They know. No one cared. And if they did care, it was positive. The, the concept that people are always waiting in the shadows to judge you is, is insane. And, and the best solution for me was just to do it, wait a day, and realize that, oh, life is okay. No one's coming at me. Yeah, I've always wondered if I've been a bit of a narcissist in my life where I've never <laughs> really cared what people think of me. Um, I started working really early and I was talking with um, someone recently because their kids are starting to enter the job market. And I started working at McDonald's when I was 15 years old. And there's nothing more humbling than being a McDonald's employee in terms of it's so transactional. Ultimately, you're not even there. And with how self-service stuff is going on, really cashiers aren't even existing to the same degree as when I worked there. Um, but you just realize ultimately that if someone's mad because he got the order got wrong or something, they're not mad at you. They're mad at the situation. There really isn't anything that you can't handle or you can't get past in those things. And just the pure exposure, the brute force repetition of those things really got, once I entered um, different fields of businesses or once I started my own business, a retail shop, and you deal with tens of thousands of people a year, um, it just didn't bother me anymore. And I've always had uh, an interest in so many different subjects and I love diving deep into them with people. And I have this unique ability to remember just weird nuggets of things that I can always bring up. And so I'll talk to anyone about anything. And I, I straight up say I'm not a subject matter expert on, on so many things because there always be someone better. But as long as I'm genuine about it and will try to recall accurate facts and just dive deep in the conversation, I've really, really enjoyed those. And I'll talk, talk to anyone about anything genuinely. Yeah. And we also had this conversation similar in, in, in the same vein. Um, both of us really, since we turned our thirties had kind of a, at least I definitely did. I won't speak for you, but since I turned 30, I've had this, this switch in my head go off about, I just don't care anymore. And let me explain. That's, that's not like uh, myopic and, and anything like that. What I'm saying is, people's opinions of me have ceased to matter. Uh, and it's, and as I get older, you know, my birthday was just last month. Yeah. I'm 36 now. So for six years, I've been on this journey where I realized most of my life, I've been kind of a people pleasing kind of person. That's my personality. I'm a little bit of an introvert. Don't like, you know, confrontation. So I've always kind of fallen back, but lately that's changed a lot. And I don't know why, but people's opinions just stop affecting me so much i wonder so just like with anything repetition and exposure multiple times so let's say the first time you want to do a painting we'll put in the art context context where you want to create a really nice oil painting and you're going to present it to the world or something there's a lot of pressure on that specific painting but if you've done a series of paintings or you paint all the time and you have hundreds of them or thousands of them it loses its importance. You're not as live and die on every single transaction off those. And I wonder, because now we've hit a certain threshold of transactions with people where we've built relationships, we've maintained them, we've some have fallen off, some have renewed. You realize that each interaction and each relationship itself is not as crucial if you quote, win or lose in it. It's just a matter of, you know, doing the best you can with every one of those situations. And you're not personally considering it a 
judgment on yourself if those happen to deteriorate. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And, and something else, and, and I think it's similar with you in, in your career. You started at McDonald's. My first job, I was like 16. I worked in the kitchen of a nursing home. Uh, and now we've moved up. We've had different jobs. We've moved to different careers. Uh, once again, personally for me, so I, I'm, a, I'm a consultant. And it, it, took, it takes a mindset to be a consultant. Before I was an individual con- contributor, I had a skill set. I would contract out to other companies and do my skill set, and they would be like, cool, thank you, and we move on. Then I switched gears into consulting where I did my job. You know, I have a skill set, and people hire me for my, ki- my skill set. But also as a consultant, people expect something different from you. They expect your opinion. They don't hire you at that level, at that range, for just my ability to make process maps. They hire me because I can think through processes, and I'm going to give them my opinion. And my opinion holds a little weight. I'm not saying I'm the greatest. I haven't even been consulting that long. But the shift in what people expect of me has been a big contributor to me getting out of my shell. You know, if I went into a company and they asked my opinion, I said, oh, I don't know, whatever you think, they would not be happy with me. I would not maintain my job very long. Instead, they are demanding I speak up and give my opinions, which usually I would sit in the shadows and, you know, maybe agree or pitch in if I had something valuable to say, but for the most part, I would just back off. And now I have to be forward. I have to bring my opinions forward. And if they're wrong, cool. We can move on from that and we can adapt and change and learn. And if they're right, yay me. Um, and at the end of the day, they don't have to accept what I say, but they want to hear it. And that's been really powerful for me. Yeah. And you realize, too, that you come in with that sense of authority. But if you hit a roadblock and something happens, you can get past that. That's the other part of it, too. We catastrophize so much the potential yes. of failure. And I always like to think of anything when it comes to the future. It's if you would try to plan even what your dinner is going to be like in terms of the actual actions itself and like try to picture it as though it was a movie or something along those lines, by the time you get there, everything's going to be completely different than what you would have anticipated. Just life happens. So we can't predict the future. You can get certain little elements right, but it's there's no reason just to focus in and stress out about those things. It's just about being prepared once you do start something. And that's that's something that I've been trying to focus so much more on is not to ruminate on the potential of the f- future or like what happened in the past and then try to fill in this metaphorical puzzle, you know, based off of just a few pieces. It's more of just a matter of realizing where I'm at and then what I can do to move forward. Yeah. So on that note, moving away from professional life and into hobbies and interests and maybe even entrepreneurial in, uh, aspirations. That was a good word. Um, I just finished a book I wanted to talk about a little bit that kind of is in the same vein. And and, and the, the, the theme for me this week is courage. Courage to just take that step and start doing what you've wanted to do. Real quick, the book was called What's Stopping You? And it was written by Bruce Berenger and R. Dwayne Ireland, which is a cool name. But uh, basically this book, they gave us nine myths, nine myths of why you can't start your own business, why you can't go and do that project or that hobby that you've wanted to. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to read all nine myths to you because that feels a little like I'm, I'm, like I'm preaching about this book. But I did want to read a couple and get your thoughts on them because I mm-hmm. think these are myths that we've seen in other people, we've seen in ourselves, and people will always have. And, and that's what I really appreciate about this book. 
So the first myth, myth number one, is it takes an extraordinary person to start a business. Now, obviously, okay. the truth is no, right? That's a myth, but it's really easy to lock yourself into that, especially in, in what we, this, this idolization culture we have. And I'm not talking about the, the Kardashians. I'm talking about how entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs, who want to get out there and start their own business, they start following these accounts on Twitter and they start reading these books and they start idolizing these thought leaders in entrepreneurship, you know, uh, the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musks, they, they have a worshiping crowd around them and that's good and bad. It's cool to see success like that. It's cool to see amazing business mindsets and, and no one's denying that they're, they're, they're very intelligent people. But the problem is people start seeing that as in look at that person, look at where they came from or whatever. There's no way we could ever do that. I could never be the CEO of a Tesla or now Twitter. Um, I could never write my own book because, you know, I just don't have that skill set. I'm not that powerful of a speaker. I don't have those skill sets. And the idolization of these, these thought leaders, in my opinion, starts creating a problem with us peons who aspire for great things, but then really back off and say, I can't, I can't be a, a Musk. I can't be a Zuckerberg. That's not in my cards. Those are rare type of people. What do you think about that? Yeah, there's a, a few points that just came to my head when you're talking about that. First off, I was listening to an interview with um, Professor Scott Galloway, and he talked about how in relation to like intelligence, so IQ, I think he said a past like 110 IQ, there's no extra indicator of success for each point smarter past that. Um, there's diminishing returns ultimately was what he was saying. So just because someone may be smart doesn't mean that they actually have that much more leg up compared to you, uh, is one of the first things because it really comes back down to, you know, the work that you do, the timing in which you do it and just how you execute around those things. So that's a huge part is there's no, there's no one that's really special in that sense. Maybe they can come to an answer slightly faster. Maybe they can retain information slightly better, but with technology and different tools that you have now, you could even surpass them, even though if you may not have that natural capability or how many people in your life that, you know, were just naturally smart, you know, in school and just everything clicked for them, but never did the work. And now they're just so much farther behind than those who did. Um, so that's a huge thing that first came to my mind. The next part is um, there's a book called The Gap and the Gain, and you never want to measure yourself against where someone else is because you haven't done those steps. And especially when it's in business, um, I think Naval talks about where you don't necessarily want to get um, measure yourself against someone else or follow their recipe exactly because whatever success they had, it's like them giving you the numbers to their winning lottery ticket. It's right. ultimately not going to do anything for you. You can get certain pieces of nuggets on the path in which they took, but the journey, just like we talked about you trying to visualize what's for dinner, is going to be completely different than what happened yesterday. And so you really can only, again, measure where you are right now compared to where you were because everything in the future is not guaranteed. The Gap and the Gain is a fantastic book recommendation for anyone. I picked it up skeptically. I'm not a big fan of books that look like they're full of kind of woo-woo, hypothetical, let's all hug ideas. And that's the vibe I got from that book. I was horribly wrong. Uh, it, was, it was really valuable stuff. 
but but well said. It's yeah. very easy to measure yourself against other individuals, especially successful individuals. But yeah. if you take the five minutes and, and reevaluate, like I said, Wyatt at 16 versus 36 is an entirely different human being as far as I'm concerned. The other thing is once you actually, if you get to know people on a human level and not necessarily in these pedestals that is social media and idealized or a book, different things, you realize how human everybody really is. It's just how we use our time and the actions that we do within them. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit further in this podcast. No, no. And, and last comment on that, on that, what you said, people are people, you know, they're not their social media personalities, not this Jeff Bezos. I, I, I don't idolize Jeff Bezos. Uh, Amazon's great. I use it, but I did find a quote by Jeff Bezos. I was like, wow. Okay. This, this, it kind of changed my perspective on him. He kind of has this, this bond villain esque persona about him. I think that's been built up on the internet unfairly, unfairly. Um, but this quote is really cool. And then, then, and then we can move on. He said, the thing that motivates me is a very common form of motivation. And that is with other folks counting on me it's easy to be motivated. And I thought about that and, and that it changed my perspective of Jeff, Jeff Bezos it was like second, third richest man in the world, whatever he is now, it changes back and forth. And his main motivation is that people count on him. I was like, well, okay, I can relate to that. People count on me. People count on you. People count on all everyone. And he turned that into motivation to be, to create this. And now it, it it's beyond his family that, that, you know, uh, depends on them, which I'm sure they do, but also all of his employees and his stakeholders and his customers, they all depend on him. And that's his motivation. That turned his motivation. I, I found that really cool. Yeah. That's, there's so many, um, philosophers or psychologists and all sorts of people just say, you get your value from life by the responsibility that you take on. You really do. Love it. Love it. I, I, I know, I was on a very different track in life until I had children. <laughs> Suddenly I had to, you know, grow up. But anyways, okay. I have two more myths out of the nine that I want to share. Second, sure. myth. this is myth number five in the book, by the way, the best business ideas are already taken. We've talked about this before. This one, in my opinion, was an easy, well, no, that's not true. Obviously. I mean, how many different websites can you buy books from right now? The answer is a lot. I don't know. I'll Google it here in a second. The winner being Amazon, the biggest one being Amazon, obviously, but people manage to make, to cut off a piece of that pie for themselves. And, uh, and that it's regardless of the industry. I think it's a matter of identifying gaps, finding different ways to help a customer base. And you can turn any existing product, any existing service into something even better, even more customer center centered and find value out of that. Yeah, my, my view, when you distill a business idea down or a business or a product, whatever, it's it's solving a problem. And no matter, time's always going to you know keep going on. Things are always going to change and new problems are always going to come up, especially, you know, whether or not it's in the same field that maybe is already saturated. The real question is, um, can you solve that problem and for how many people and how much is that worth to them? And that's where you can really decide on what if a business is worth pursuing because you can fill those needs and there's enough things to make it worthwhile. Yeah. No business can, can get everything right. They just can't, especially when they become very large businesses, they have to sacrifice certain aspects. Maybe it's customer service. Maybe it's personalization and one-on-one -on -one communication with the business and, and the customers, whatever it is, 
no business can accomplish everything. And when you have to find those gaps, there's, there's opportunity there and sometimes massive opportunity. By the way, I just Googled buy books online and uh, like I got like 10 billion searches. So I'm, I, I gave up on that search, but all right. Yeah. Last minute. Well, one more oh, thing, yeah. thing about yeah. that too. The technology might not be right. So there's a story um, about something magic. I can't remember the company, but they were trying to make essentially a, a portable smartphone back in the early nineties. And it had a fax machine attached to it and all these different things, this graphical user interface. And ultimately the product just failed because it wasn't good enough. The technology wasn't right for the needs and there wasn't people who had those needs quite yet, but take it forward 10 years or something. Essentially every principle that was going into that phone uh, became what was the iPhone and it was the right ideas, but the problems weren't there. The customers weren't quite there yet. And the technology ultimately wasn't there to solve those problems. So there may be a business out there that's solving certain things, but as things evolve and technology evolves, you can solve that problem in a much more unique way using technology and get a new foothold to knock everyone, all your competition out of the water. Absolutely. So this next one, I, I have admittedly fallen into this kind of thought trap myself, <clears throat> but I figured a way out. So myth number seven in this book, it's almost impossible for a new business to get noticed. Now, this is a loaded gun worth of a topic because that's, uh, I think, a huge fear for most people is I can start an online business. I can make a software. I can make an app. But how do I get it out there? The, the market is saturated. If you open up uh, your iPhone or your Android and you go to the app store, there are millions and millions of apps. And you pick a topic of an app, you'll find hundreds of the same exact topic. How do you make way? How do you you know, get your voice heard above the, the, the crowd, so to speak? And exactly kind of what we we're just talking about with the new ideas already taken uh, how a business gets noticed is changing all the time. What is the, I don't remember what it's called. It's where people are putting in like subtext on videos and trying to fool Google algorithms into searching them more. What is that practice called? Meta, meta tagging? Something. Or, it's, and it's part of a bigger uh, technique. In, uh, there's entire companies built up around it who try to get oh, your SEO, company. Search engine. SEO, oh, SEO, yeah, search, search engine, engine optimization. Um, I know years ago that was the hottest trend. Search, and, and it still exists. Don't get me wrong. It happens. You, know, you have to try and get seen on Google. But search engine optimization used to be massive. And these pop-up shops were showing up everywhere saying, we can improve your SEO. We can get you noticed. We can get you on the first page of a Google search, blah, 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 blah. And the concept's great. But what they found it is that the algorithms, algorithms for Instagram, for Google, all these places you want to get noticed where your potential customers are, those algorithms, algorithms, that's a hard word for me to say today, they change all the time, which means you have to go in and fix all the work that you previously did and change new things and you have to stay up to date on that stuff. And that trend of SEO is king is really dying off because they're finding out, you know what's even better than SEO? Having a really good product, having something that customers actually want. You know, you can't fool people into buying your product. They have to want it, right? Yeah. My view on business is you really only have your true customers and you need to focus on earning what it would be considered your true customer. So many times, um, you have just because you're in a spot 
there's people, there's traffic, there's people that's buying things around you, things like that, but they're not buying yours because you really haven't earned them as a customer yet. You haven't, they, you haven't gotten enough recognition with them, enough mental, social capital, whatever. They don't understand your product. They don't understand the value that they're going to get from those things. So ultimately you need to focus on who you can best serve and the value that you can provide them and communicating that most effectively, and then really nurturing those parts. Because I'll tell you in business, the biggest thing that for growth is referrals. It is you do a good job for somebody that word's going to spread. You can spend crazy amounts of money on brand awareness and all those things, but perhaps based on the product that you're selling, you might entice a few things, especially if your transaction costs are low. But I vote, you know, I've always been in the business where even when it was the game store, you would invest a lot of money. We weren't the cheapest place in town. It was, um, you know, you were providing things at a premium cost. And then when we're selling it services or any enterprise level things, you're trying to show the value that you can bring and why you're the ones to do that. And, just focusing on doing a good job, genuinely connecting with people, and then scaling that more organically while leveraging certain tools and technology so you don't get lost <laughs> in the way um, is where you get the most growth. And it really is a hockey stick and it compounds just like anything, it's exponential and there's no overnight success. Just like we were talking about with the founders no. and different stuff like that. You don't really understand the groundwork. It might seem like an overnight success to you because you weren't aware of them, but they'd been going for 10 years or building up something for way longer. So you can get noticed by just being genuine, making real genuine connections and providing real value. And if you're solving a problem, again, going back to that, people are searching for those answers. They are putting those answers into Google. You don't need to have a paid ad necessarily to go because if you have the answer to their problem, it's going to come up organically. Yeah, absolutely. Thought. And I think, I think, I think you're spot on. I think customers want people and solutions and businesses and offerings to solve a problem for them. Yeah. And well, I think, other, going oh, sorry. Oh, I think, I think going into a, a potential business opportunity or idea with the concept of I want to make a lot of money is, is almost always, I'm sure there are several exclusions, almost always a recipe for failure because you are going in with selfish intentions. Whereas if you kind of change your mindset a little bit and you, you say, I want to go out and provide the most value I can. I have a skill set. I have a product. I have whatever it is and I want to give it to people. I want to make their lives better. Success will follow instead of the opposite of I want success and then I have to go out and hustle and try and figure out how to get people to buy my product. That that feels like an uphill battle versus going out and genuinely trying to help people. Hey, you have a question? Let me help you. Things and it can kind of snowball from there. Um, but uh, oh, I said the word hustle, and that's a whole other tangent. I'll talk about some other day. But yeah. anyways, well, on that concept too, um, consistency is a huge part. This is what I tell everybody: what, what anything you're doing. So if you're trying to build awareness for a product or things, consistently doing the work, the effort, the postings, the you know marketing, whatever those things are to you know get your face or your product in front of people as much is going to be a huge part. Cause so many times businesses will often do like this giant marketing blast and it's just one giant burst. Maybe they see a little return from it and then it just all falls off. But it's the ones, again, the compounding ones who do consistent posting, consistent marketing, consistent efforts, consistent uh, customer outreach, feedback, 
loops taking care of their customers. Those are the ones that get the exponential growth. And it's not about doing a lot at once. It's just about doing a good job consistently. And then the other part is you don't want to grow too quickly because you can't then service your best customers. And there's so much where, especially if you're trying to inorganically, you know, buy up customers through whether that be like an acquisition or through a large push, um, you, if you can't actually deliver a consistent, good result to those people, you might get one transaction, but then you're done. You're not going to get all that long tail of those referrals, the long-term continued purchases. Basically, your customer acquisition cost is going to be extremely high, but your customer lifetime value is going to be extremely low. And you want it the other way. You want it to be mm -hmm. relatively cheap to get a customer and then keep them for a long time and have the amount that they spend with you be as large as possible. And one, understanding what those numbers are at any given moment is extremely important because um, most people don't actually think about them in those contexts. Absolutely not. I've spent many, many projects focused on customer attrition, on losing customers or their value dropping and why. And, and you're spot on. It's because it wasn't measured. And because it's not measured, it can't be affected. You can't change anything unless you know where you're at. And that's measurements. That's KPIs. That's metrics and data that is tracked regularly to, to see these things. When a trend starts happening, you can adjust versus if you wait a month and suddenly you don't have any customers left, how much impact are you going to have on getting them back? The answer is almost none versus if you see trends and data and act upon it. Oh, man, don't get me down okay. a data rabbit hole. Well, yeah. so I think this is a perfect tee up for us to talk to uh, or announce to our audience what we've been working on and what we're going to be participating in. You want to start that? Love it. So tomorrow, tomorrow, Tanner and I are starting something called Founders University. Very easy Google search. You can find some information on it. Essentially what it is, it's a 12-week program for startups and entrepreneurship, usually geared around the, the SaaS uh, sphere. But they take us from the very beginning of a product or a project, from what's the name of your imaginary company to creating something of value, to having an MVP, a minimum viable product, not most viable player. Um, and gosh, we've, we've been talking about it. We've been gearing up for months now, Tanner, right? And oh, man, I'm so excited. It finally launches tomorrow. Tanner, can you, can you explain a little bit about what we're going to do? Yeah, so we've had kind of a seed of an idea. And ultimately that product was kind of what we were talking about. Um, if I could have a platform or a product back when I was starting the game store <laughs> days where, when I do nothing to help me not fall into the same ruts, roadblocks and obstacles, um, the same traps, but really understand where we were, where I was at any given moment and how I could succeed and become more profitable and more successful. What if there was a product around that? So our vision is ultimately kind of like an instrument panel to clear you through the, help you navigate through the fog that is life. Because again, you, you can't get the winning numbers to those lottery tickets. You really have to analyze wherever you're at in the moment and make the best informational based decisions you can. Um, and it's all about doing the work which is what we've been extremely focused on. And that's probably why most of our conversations are around that. And then understanding the big picture where you are so you can at least guide yourself in the right direction where you're not looping around in a cul-de-sac like Seth Godin would talk about in the dip uh, where you're just circling around making no progress, but really pushing forward on that right, you know, right road. 
So it, for us, it's just a glimpse of an idea, maybe nothing, may not be a, a, a how will this product may look at the end, maybe nothing like the vision we had before, but it's really a class or a pro, you know a program that we can go through and one, learn from an incredible person. Jason Calacanis is actually teaching it. Um, if you haven't looked up, look, do a search on him. He does This Week at Startups, the All In podcast. He's been sold a company to AOL way back in the day, early founder in Uber. And just recently, he's been kind of helping Elon out with Twitter, um, different stuff. So big name. And I'm also more excited by the community that they build. It's a bunch of people trying to build their startups and their product ideas and those things. And our product is really geared for someone like them because we are people like them. And the amount of feedback that we could get to maybe shape it and provide value would be incredible. So we we're seeing using this course as a test bed to where, you know, can we provide value to somebody? Can we solve a problem? Are we the ones to do it? And we'll see what happens. Ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that Jason's going to be teaching this 12-week course to us is is not only an opportunity for this entire cohort that's going through this this Founders University uh, and us, uh, because previous cohorts have been taught by other people. And, and I, my understanding is they've been wonderful. But this is kind of a unique opportunity of Jason himself, who owns and kind of runs this, to, to be the front and center. And that's very exciting. And yeah, he's he's, he's a big name. He knows what he's doing. And he knows how to build entrepreneurs and more importantly, entrepreneurs who are focused on value and providing that value to other people. So in regards to, to our ideas and what we've been talking about, yeah, it, it is exactly what that we've kind of been beating around the bush on these podcasts. Let's be honest, providing value and hopefully returns come neither Tanner and I came in here and said, Hey, let's join founders, you and make a product and become billionaires. Let's sell our product to Google someday or whatever. Uh, and we don't even have a product We're, you know, this is all hypothetical ideas right now, but our mindset is in the right place. We believe in that we're just going to go out there and you're absolutely right. The community is going to be amazing because it's a group of potential entrepreneurs or existing entrepreneurs who are decentralized hint, hint. We have some people in our cohort who are going to be out of England, um, you know, all around the United States, some Canada, I believe, and some other Australia. places. I haven't met them. Yeah, Australia. People around the world who have a brilliant idea and want to bring it to life. We also are those people. We have an idea we want to bring to life. But I think we're, 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 we have an extra spin in that we want to help those people we're going to be learning with. And that's pretty cool. And their, their feedback is going to be instrumental. And like you said, if it turns out to be a dud, it's a dud. But I think we're going to learn a lot along the ways. And hopefully we can impart some of that wisdom here on this podcast. Yeah, it's again, it's about doing the work. Um, whether or not it's recording these podcasts and putting out to the world, the validation we get from those, it's not just consuming, but being a creator. It's not just about um, being in a place where you're um, being an order taker, but you're being a genuine problem solver. Those are all the things that, you know, we're trying to do in our day-to-day -day lives to get, you know, stay sane and, and get some more fulfillment and purpose of, of our days. But if we can ultimately help others in achieving whatever their dreams are with a set of tools or things. That's, that's the reward. That's the mission. That's the, that's what we want from it. And it's again, what you were saying about, it's not about the money. It's about developing a solution to a problem that I've suffered with for years. 
Um, and if I could help even just one person not fall into the same traps of building a company that's just at the end of the day, a money gobbling monster and not something that can work for you. Um, it's a huge thing. And kind of the tagline that we've been talking about is just really helping someone build a better business to run, not a business that runs them. And if we can do that again, for just one person or a handful of people, I think that's a success, whether or not it turns into anything more than that. Um, Absolutely. But just, just by doing the work, we're going to grow, we're going to make good, great relationships, and we're going to fill our time with something that's more meaningful and more purposeful. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah. I'm, and, and you, you mentioned it. It's about getting out there and putting our, our knowledge or our kind of stored knowledge out into the purpose. You and I, big book fans, I got my bookshelf back here. You've got your own bookshelf. We quote books every single podcast and, and other podcasts. It's time for us. We feel we're at the juncture where it's time for us to stop being consumers and start being producers. And you know that it sounds a little egotistical. It, it's simply that we need to do it. We need to go. We need to find that courage to circle back to our original topic to just take that first step and go do something because we could spend the rest of our lives talking about starting our own business and making our own product and providing our, you know, doing all this, getting, getting something out there to help other people. We can talk about it forever. We can make plans about it. We can read books and listen to podcasts about it, but sooner or later you either have to make the decision to jump and start on a path. Even if you're wrong, even if it fails, taking the courage to be able to say, I'm going to do it. Let's see. Let's see how it ends. Or you can go back and just read some more books. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to continue to read books. I love reading, love listening to podcasts, but now it's the time for action. And, and that's exciting to me. It's exciting to get past that fear of rejection of ridicule and say, Hey, this is what I have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as the world starts getting a little bit more challenging, um, it's the time for being a little bit more self-reliant, the time to take action, the time to do things. And when things are good, it's so easy just to kind of rely. That is the machine of, you know, whatever the company you're in or the, the town, the government, the economy, all those things to reap those rewards and not have to, you know, have a little bit more grit and do the work and show up and, you know, push back all that suck <laughs> that happens when things are hard. Um, but again, at the end of the day, you, you are, you, you are the one who takes your breaths. You're the ones who, you know, eats the food. You're the one who does these things. So you need to be in control of your life. And why is it that we so often just abdicate responsibility when it comes to, um, so much of our economic condition or our financial stat, you know, things were, I've been following a lot on this whole FTX deal where, you know, people in the crypto markets and all this, and so many people got caught up because they're like, I'm going to get so much money by investing in this. And at the end of the day, it just starts crumbling because you realize a lot of it was just con people trying to play on people's ambitions of not ha of easy money um, rather yeah. than the real effort that it takes to generate um, your own, whether that be through, you know, again, a, a business that you make or a product that you develop or a service that you do, 
it's you at the end of the day that controls your own destiny. And I think that's what we really want to focus on ourselves and then maybe make a product that can enable those with that same mindset to do a better job or have a higher chance of success because businesses fail all the time. It's a high, high, high percentage, especially technology businesses. I want to say I read somewhere it was like 90% of startup technology startups or something fail. Um, if you can provide a tool set that lets people either qualify their ideas faster. I know last week was kind of a joke between Wyatt and me because he was coming up with all these startup ideas and we were like, oh man, let's see if it's out there. Oh, that one's out there or something like that, that exact thing. But again, maybe you could put your spin on it, your other thing. But when it's just an idea, you can test it, you can qualify it, you can choose to pursue it or to stop. And so many times we fall or fall into ruts where we start a business, it has some initial success, and then we get into a rut and we just persevere for years when you really should recognize, okay, maybe it's time to pull the plug and start something that has more potential in the future. Or do you know that we're just in the dip and we need to invest until we can then get the rewards? And having the right information, the right tools, the right technology, the right people around you, all those things are so important to hopefully at the end, make something that's worth making. Yes. Well said. Okay. I'm full of inspirational quotes today, Tanner. Have yeah. you ever heard of Madam CJ Walker? I don't think so. Madam CJ Walker is a fascinating person. I went on a rabbit hole once I found this quote and learned a lot about her. She's an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and social activist early in the 1900s. And that's relevant when you find out that she was a black entrepreneur and she made her name and her money and her wealth and fortune by producing cosmetics and hair care for black women in the early 1900s. Could you imagine that uphill battle? Uh, fascinating individual. But anyways, the quote she said, and this struck home and, and you reminded me, is, I had to make my own living and my own opportunity, but I made it. Don't sit down and wait for the opportunities to come. Get up and make them. If Madam C.J. Walker a black woman in New York in the early 1900s, late 1800s, was able to take the step and the bravery to create her own product line of hair care for black women. What are we waiting for? That's bravery. That's someone I can look up to right there. Yeah, I think that's great. We'll uh, let's end it there. We'll be talking each week a little bit about you know concepts we learned from this course. We'll be picking again new subjects for the week to really help. Um, shape things. I had someone ask me just real quick, what is this podcast about? And, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, wanting to have more knowledge about more uh, around business technology in unconventional ways. I, we're going to keep doing that more. I think from this, this path with people from all across the world with neat ideas, we also do have some interviews that we're lining up with yes. different um, business people and, uh, really interesting, insightful folks that can bring a lot to our listeners. So there's a lot of really good things ahead and I'm really excited to continue. So, yeah, love it. I'm, I'm very excited to be on this journey with you, Tanner. I love this podcast. Thank you guys for the comments. Please keep them up. If you have any questions, go ahead and throw it in when we share on social media. We'd love to answer those too, but like you said, interviews coming up also. I'm just, I love doing this. This is such a, a fun passion of mine. All right. Well, we'll see you all next time. Bye.